to another edition of State Lines, where you get the best pro football gambling information in the state of Illinois. My name is Jason Gotch, joined as always on the program by John Spataro. A little bit different format this week, because of course our show airs after the Thursday night game in the NFL every week. So the Chicago Bears, since we've last talked, have played two football games. We'll talk a lot about what we thought about that Colts-Bears game from the gambling perspective, give you what we did in that one as the Bears had an ugly effort back on Sunday in a 19-11 home loss to the Indianapolis Colts that dropped them to 3-1 and on the season. Uh, the offense and Nick Foles did not look very good in that contest, but the quick turnaround for the Bears on Thursday night, a much different story as they take on Tom Brady and the Buccaneers at Soldier Field. And the Bears eke out a 20-19 victory over Brady and the Bucs as a three-and-a-half-point dog in that game. The total in that contest was 44. And John Spataro, I would say if you watch Bears-Buccaneers, that was a fun game to watch. A lot of lead changes from a, a Bears fan's perspective. If you're a gambler, you were on the seat of your pants quite often in that contest because you really didn't have a good feel for it the way it played out. But again, from a Bears fan perspective, that epitomized winning ugly and you take it. Absolutely. And I spoke a few weeks back about not really knowing what Nick Foles and this offense were going to look like after that short sample size in Atlanta. And now we have two full games of Nick Foles as a starter in four or five days, whatever it's been here in this past week. And I think we're ready to suggest that not all that much has changed in terms of offensive firepower. The game against the Colts, Uh, Nick Foles looked downright terrible. He just really wasn't moving the ball. The offense looked sluggish. No one really was interested in in producing any sort of significant drives um, during that game against the Colts. And then now Thursday, they went toe-to-toe with Tom Brady, and Brady didn't play like he did the week prior where he threw five touchdowns. But that's mostly because of the defense. And Khalil Mack, it's so great to hear from him again because he's gone multiple games in the past year and a half uh, with, with registering no sacks, no tackles, being very irrelevant. He was anything but irrelevant last night uh, in the game against the Bucks. He got two sacks. He really could have been three if he didn't get flagged for uh, a random and a nonsensical roughing penalty that seems to creep up against the Bears once a game these days. And he was just a force. He was throwing linemen over his hip, uh, you know, 300-plus pound offensive linemen in the NFL. He was tossing them around like ragdolls. So it was good to see the defense really buckle down and really say we are not going to let this game get out of hand it was Tom Brady it was Gronkowski it was Mike Evans all these big offensive stars almost all of them got shut down completely Ronald Jones had a nice game for the Bucs but besides that the defense was in control so if you're looking forward to where the Bears are going to have to play this year it may be that the defense cannot let up more than 20 points per game if the Bears need to keep winning or if they want to keep winning because Nick Foles and his offense last night Played okay, I would say it was an improvement from the Colts game, but overall, feels like there was a lot of points left on the board, a lot of drives ending in field goals again, or no points, like I said, in the first few games when Mitch Trubisky was running this offense. So you learn a lot from two games in, in a short period like this. I think you really get to look at your team and see who's um, who's 
trying the hardest, who's really not letting this season and, and, and these games get out of hand. And uh, this one against the Bucks, it was the defense. They get the gold star for the game because they really showed up and prevented another disappointing loss at the hands of the offense. Nick Foles played fine, but really it was the defense for me in this game. It was a very nice defensive effort for the Chicago Bears, as you said, John. And you're right. Khalil Mack looked like the guy that made the Bears defense Probably the best unit in the NFL back in 2018. He was that disruptive. Uh, they made life miserable on Tom Brady. You mentioned Mack had a couple sacks. Brady went down three times in that game. He was pressured quite off by that Bears defense. He only threw for 233 yards, the one touchdown pass. And we'll talk more about our picks from week number four in the next segment of the program. We didn't have a pick in the Tampa Bay game because obviously that was the Thursday night contest. I didn't do quite well with my picks in week number four. Jason Gotch, full disclosure. John Spataro did very well with his week four of four picks. So we'll talk about all that coming up. But for the purposes of our opening segment, we do want to continue to talk more here about the Bears because so many of our listeners here locally in Illinois, this is the team that they follow, and they like to bet on the team they follow. And when you look at the Bears, they're 4-1 now after the win over Tampa. That's their best start since 2012, but it is a bit ironic that that 2012 year was also a season they went 4-1 and out of the gate. They did not make the playoffs. I believe they finished 10-6 and that season and missed the postseason. And after that year... Uh, Lovey Smith was let go as the Bears coach. They brought in Mark Tressman the next year, and it didn't quite go uh, as the Bears had planned. Let's hope that's not the same this year. Let's hope 4-1 and one, uh, gets them into the postseason if they can continue to play pretty decent football. And remember, big difference from 2012 and 2020 is there is an extra wild card team in each conference. So you've got the AFC with an additional wild card. You get the NFC with an additional wild card. And if you look at a 10-6 and six record with three wild card teams and seven total total playoff teams in one conference. I have a hard time seeing if the Bears make it to 10 and 6 this year as they did after the 4 and 1 start in 2012, them not making the postseason. But specifically for this game, John, a couple things that that I I really do want to emphasize. Uh this contest for the Bears was as I said to start really winning ugly and this is the type of game though that is so important going forward because it gives you confidence you beat a future hall of famer and you might be battling the Buccaneers for a playoff spot when all is said and done and you get the head-to-head tiebreaker by winning this game and you did it if you're the Bears when uh, you mentioned Nick Foles I I think it's safe to say he's entrenched as the starter with the Bears at this point but man I wouldn't be surprised if a quarter and a half into this game some Bears fans were saying give me Mitchell Trubisky back because at least he can run because the Bears two touchdowns they were down 13 nothing at the two minute warning in the first half they scored two quick touchdowns getting a turnover sandwiched in between to work on a short field thanks to that defense that played very well, as we said. But you you had two touchdowns there, the only two touchdowns of the game, and then a couple of field goals in the second half. And uh, Cairo Santos hitting a big 38-yard field goal with under two minutes to go, minute 13 on the clock that was the difference in that game. But even there, Matt Nagy showed no confidence in his kicker because instead of running down that clock, he chose to pass to try and get the ball closer instead of settling for about a 42-yard field goal with a kicker that he he obviously is shaky with because he tried out Kai Forbath back on Wednesday for that kicking spot one day before the game. So there were some questionable decisions. I know Troy Aikman was really hard on the broadcast saying, what's Matt Nagy doing leaving so much time out there because he had an incomplete pass by Foles on second down to Allen Robinson on that final drive. What's he leaving so much time 
for Tom Brady for, and I kept yelling at my TV, Troy, I don't disagree with you, but he doesn't trust his kicker. Thank goodness Santos came through. But another cause for concern here, John, the running game. The Bears ran 14 times last night for a total of 35 yards. David Montgomery, 10 carries for 29 yards. So uh, I think you hit it on the head. Uh, what you get from the Bears' offense, you know Nick Foles is a streaky guy. You hope he's streaky at the right times. I don't think the Bears are going back to Trubisky. They're in better hands with Foles right now, even though he is a statue back there behind a shaky offensive line, and Trubisky moves better. But really, as this defense goes, John, I think that's how the Bears go this year. And hopefully what they did against Tampa is really a springboard because I think that might have been the, their best game in a year-plus under Chuck Pagano, the coordinator. Certainly, certainly. And it's tough to disagree with anything you just said. I'll touch on the kicker uh, situation. It's nice to see the Bears win a game on the leg of their kicker. Cairo Santos, he put one through the uprights with a minute and plus to go. Maybe a little bit too much time uh, you know, left on the clock for Tom Brady to try and come back. But he got the job done. And for all the fuss and, and drama we've made around the position the last few years, I thought it was great to see the Bears win at home on a big field goal. Obviously, if there were fans in the stands, I think they would have rained down with cheers on hitting a big game-winning or, you know, at the time, go-ahead field goal uh, in Soldier Field. That was great to see. But, yeah, you're absolutely right with Nick Foles. He's a streaky guy. I think we're, we're kind of settling into the point that this is his skill set. I talked when he came in in Atlanta that I thought it was great to see a quarterback that actually has the ability to make a bunch of NFL throws. I did not necessarily feel that way with Mitch Trubisky. Right when I say that, he didn't look very good against the Colts. And then against the Buccaneers, he missed some wide-open receivers probably costing his team points because they would have scored had he put the ball on the money, especially on some of those deep throws down the field. So he's starting to show why he is not a, a coveted asset across the NFL and why the Bears were, were able to trade him and take on that big salary of his from the Jaguars. He is just inconsistent. He has what seems to be a good grasp of the offense. He's able to really get the, 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 the plays in motion and, and figure out where there's going to be opportunities. He just doesn't have the locked-on accuracy and consistency to make every single throw throughout the game. He can physically do it. He can physically get the ball down the field. He knows where he's trying to throw it, but it doesn't always end up. He missed Allen Robinson on an easy easy I think I could have even made that throw as much as of a trope a sports talk radio trope that that is <laughs> I think I could have hit Allen Robinson to convert the first first down of the game when he missed him by about eight yards so the Nick Foles experience is going to continue I don't necessarily feel that bad about it after watching them get out a win um, in the way that they did and I'm going to really bring up some bad memories but I'm going to go back to the last game prior to this game against the Buccaneers that Nick Foles won. It was on Soldier Field. It was the double doink game. He didn't play all that great in that game either. If you remember, uh, maybe it's impossible to forget, but that game came down to a field goal late. Nick Foles did not put anybody away in his time as the starter in Philadelphia, maybe except for the Super Bowl that he beat Tom Brady in. So this is his track record. He's going to keep the game close and possibly turn it on some of his throws or interceptions or just decisions that he'll make throughout the game. But if the defense can play like they did against the Bucs, 
I think that this team has a good shot of making the playoffs, like you said. To me, they're destined to be that extra wild card team this year. I don't know if they're going to have the record to be a true wild card team, but it's really hard for me to see this team not finishing second in the division, right? I mean, they're better than the Vikings. They're better than the Lions. We, we saw them already beat the Lions once, and we got a lot of division games coming up in the latter half of this schedule, but... I'm going to pencil the Bears in as a second-place finisher just because they've got this head start. They're 4-1. and one. They're looking good. The, the defense is starting to get some of that swagger back. So I think they are going to be eyeing that last wild-card spot in the NFC to get into the playoffs, and then it's anybody's game. But so far, 4-1, and one, I don't think you can really take too much for granted as a Bears, Bears fan so far. No, John, I think you make a great point there about the Bears being in the playoffs, and I think this win over the Buccaneers straight up and against the spread, they were getting three and a half, but a 2019 win by the Bears on Thursday night over the Buccaneers. This is one of those signature games where you look back at a schedule where a lot of teams finish between seven and nine and ten and six, and you say, that was a turning point game for the Bears. That's one of the big ones that got them in the postseason. I think they're, look, you don't want to pencil things in way too early, but I get what you're saying, and I agree. I thought before the season the Bears were going to be a 9 or 10 win team and because of the extra wild card make the playoffs. Uh, nothing has changed my mind I, except maybe I'll up that. Maybe they, they could, who knows, be a 10 or 11 win team. They got Carolina at Carolina next week. That's a game the Bears probably are going to be favored in. And, and you talk about, just real quick here before we get to our next segment, talk a lot more about our picks from last week. When you look at Nick Foles, if the Bears can find a way to get a running game, I think that's a big issue because they haven't shown that the last year plus. But if they could do that, tighten up the offensive line a little bit, that'll make Foles a lot more steady because, as you said, he's very streaky. He's also been injury-prone in his career. He does take a lot of hits right now, and the Bears' running game's not helping him out. If they could get two of those things fixed, those two things, and those are big things, it would go a long way towards making Nick Foles even a better quarterback for the Chicago Bears. But he's a streaky guy. Remember, you touched on it a little bit, John. Back in Super Bowl 52, he beat Tom Brady 41-33 when he was quarterbacking the Eagles and Brady was quarterbacking the Patriots. And a nice win for the Bears, a first. They finally beat Tom Brady in a game straight up last night. This is State Lines. He's John Spataro. My name is Jason Gotch. Lots more to do on the program. We come back, we'll go in-depth on our picks from week number four. John did great. Gotch, not so much. All that coming up and more right after this. Pro football gambling information in the state of Illinois, along with John Spataro. My name is Jason Gotch. Here are our thoughts on the Bears' last couple of games in our opening segment of the program. Now it's that time to recap what we did last week. Our picks against the spread, including in that Bears-Colts game, we'll flash back to that one, plus our three best bets from week number four. And John, my friend, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to turn it over to you because let's just say week number four was very forgettable for Jason Gotch. So I'll get to my picks in a little bit, but I want to bring the listeners here in this segment, the start of it, on an up note. So the floor is yours, my friend. Well, I appreciate that. And yes, I had a little bit of an up week, maybe not as great as I would like, and certainly not your perfect week from last, but two and one 
on the week in terms of my best bet picks. And I guess I would consider a split in the Bears game. If you remember last week, I was talking about not really knowing where to sit in terms of the the side on that game just because I didn't know enough about Nick Foles. We sure found out a lot about Nick Foles in that game and how this offense still has the ability to put up a stinker. So I was not really committing to either side of the spread. I decided to maybe throw a little bit of money on the Bears money line. Obviously, that didn't cash, but I was all over the under, which I think you were too, Jason, and that game is about as much of an under game as you will ever find. What an offensive letdown for really both teams, but I'm sure the Colts feel a lot better about it than the Bears do. So for those two games, or those two picks in the Bears game, I guess I will consider a split. The rest of the league, I did pretty well. I was on the Saints minus four as favorites on the road in Detroit. They took care of business by six points, although that game got a little bit close at the end. I was a little bit worried about a a dreaded backdoor cover from the Detroit Lions. I was all over the over in the Chargers and Tampa Bay Buccaneers game in Tampa. 31 to 38, or 38 to 31, I should say, was the final in that one. The over was 43, so that one blew right by just like I thought it would. And then my stretch pick, but it looked real good for a long, long time if you were forced to watch this game, was the Miami Dolphins plus six they ended up losing by eight points to the Seahawks at home 31 23 that game had cover written all over it and then Ryan Fitzpatrick threw a costly interception at the end of that game and it got away towards the end so all in all I will take the two and one in the best bets the Bears game although I was very upset watching it as a fan I guess I'm okay going one for one in those picks obviously the money line didn't pan out but I was really just thinking of that as a long shot all over the under in the Bears game though that game went almost nearly how I thought it would with just bad offensive play or good defensive play however you want to look at it I just didn't think it would be that bad for the Bears to lose in that fashion so looking ahead to this week hope to keep it rolling I'm back on the winning side of things and hope you can meet me there too sometime soon Jason (laughs) well week three was real good for me John and week number four was completely forgettable I'm glad you carried the team this week because guess what I went one in four but with the best bets 0-3. 0-3. The 1-4 split decision with the Bears did take them plus the 3 against the Colts back on Sunday. And guess what? Of course, we know they lost that game 19-11. As John said, Nick Foles did not look good in that game. Didn't get much help at all from his offensive line. The Bears' running game was anemic again. So uh, the Nick Foles magic of the Atlanta Falcons game ran out in the contest against the Colts. The under, though, did hit rather easily, as John mentioned. 44.5 was the under in that game, 19-11. You want it by a couple of touchdowns if you played the under. So we had the under in that one. Then the three best bets, just it, it just didn't connect this time around. The Patriots plus seven against Kansas City. I'm not an excuse maker, but let's face it, that bet we put down on the show before we knew Cam Newton had caught the coronavirus. So the 26-10 to 10 loss in that game by the Patriots, that's one, honestly, I would have stayed away from had I known it would be a combination of Jarrett Stidham and Brian Hoyer. With Cam Newton, I think that could have been a different game. Heck, it was close in the fourth quarter before the Chiefs got a late touchdown to pull away in that game. So we did lose that one, but that's not an embarrassing loss. However, the next two, uh, the Raiders just did not show up against the Buffalo Bills. The Bills won that game in Las Vegas 30-23. to After that game, Derek Carr, the Raiders quarterback, said he was sick of losing. I get his sentiments, but let's face it, 
the last several years, Derek Carr has been as important to the Raiders, win or lose, as any player. So he's part of the problem when it comes to losing for the Las Vegas Raiders, previously the Oakland Raiders. But Carr not happy. It hasn't worked out the last couple of years under John Gruden. We'll see if they can get that fixed in Gruden's third season with the Vegas Raiders. It was Buffalo winning that game 30-23. to And maybe, you know what, everybody, it's time to believe in Josh Allen because he's gotten off to a great start this season uh, as the Bills continue to win football games. And then, John, I went opposite of you. What was I thinking taking the Detroit Lions plus the four and a half? I was hoping for that backdoor cover that, of course, you were dreading. It went your way as a Saints player, not my way as a Lions player. The Lions plus four and a half at home against New Orleans. The Saints won that game 35-29. And Matt Patricia seat continues to get hotter and hotter in Detroit. The Lions actually led that game early 14-0, but as they've done in the two-plus years under Matt Patricia, it seems like almost every time out when the Lions get a decent lead, they find a way to blow it, and they did it against New Orleans and Drew Brees and company. So 0-3 with the best bets for Jason Gotch. 1-4 overall. We did hit that Bears under against the Colts. Looking for a lot better in week number five for all the listeners on state lines here with me, Jason Gotch, and John Spataro. And John, we'll have our best bets coming up a little bit later on in the show as I said I'm hoping to get back on track you're hoping to stay the course and give the listeners some more winners after a pretty good week last week we'll have some other fun stuff as the show progresses we'll talk about the NFL MVP race four games into the regular season but before we do that we're to look at some games that we have not put in our best bets category but are interesting nonetheless based on the lines and the individual matchups for week number five John, let's start this one off, and let's talk about the Cincinnati Bengals and the Baltimore Ravens. I find this one interesting because that's a really good division right now, the AFC North. The Steelers are unbeaten. Uh, You look at the Ravens, they only have one loss. The Cleveland Browns, 3-1. Who would have thought that? It almost seems a a foregone conclusion that the Browns are terrible each and every year. Uh, The Bengals did get their first win last week under their first uh, overall pick quarterback this season, Joe Burrow. So the Bengals 1-2-1 entering this one. The Ravens off a win over the Washington football team. Baltimore in this one's a 13.5 point favorite. Uh, The over-under is 52. This might be a decent spot for the Bengals here, John. Tell us a little more about this one. They're getting basically two touchdowns on the road. Could the Ravens be overlooking an opponent from the AFC North? Well, don't look now, but the Cincinnati Bengals are undefeated on the year against the spread. They are 3-0-1 despite being 1-2-1 on the year. So if you're looking for a side and you're looking at uh, probably two touchdowns or just under two touchdowns worth of points coming the Bengals' way on Sunday, it may be worth a look to see how long they can ride this undefeated ATS streak. However, I don't think that that's necessarily the best play this week. Instead, I think the under is the best play this week, and I'll tell you why. Despite the Cincinnati Bengals having a young quarterback, despite producers like A.J. Green and Giovanni Bernard and some of these guys that you expect to be a little bit further along at this point not showing up whatsoever in the stat sheet, they still managed to run the number two out of 30 teams in the NFL, the second most amount of plays in a game do the Cincinnati Bengals. So that kind of goes back to what I was talking about with the Bears earlier in the year is if you're looking for an angle and you're looking through these stats, okay, why would I really care about how many 
plays a team runs every game? Well, it's because they control the ball, they control the clock, and they don't necessarily end in point-scoring drives. So if I'm looking at this game, if you're looking at the other side of the ball, the Ravens like to score fast. They can put up points on you pretty quickly, and they don't hold the ball very long. Lamar Jackson and, and team will drive right down the field in three or four plays and usually find the end zone and give the ball right back to their defense. So I'm expecting Joe Burrow to have the ball in his hand a lot in this game, despite if it's competitive. I think a lot of time is going to be coming off the clock. I think there's going to be some empty drives for the Bengals, and I just don't see it being the shootout that would require a cover when the total is sitting around 51 or 52 points right now. So I'm going to be on the under in this game. It's not one of my best bets, but it's something that I do feel pretty strongly about looking at the stats. Take a look at it. It's it's probably going to be on TV across the country. So take a look and uh, maybe win on an underplay here this weekend. All right, some good analysis right there from John Spataro. And I'm going to build on what John said and talk a little bit about the Bengals here and their ability to cover the spread because that tells me that this team is playing pretty hard for their young quarterback, Joe Burrow. It might not have worked out the way they've liked to straight up so far, but in their last two games, they are unbeaten. They had the tie against Philadelphia and then the win last week. So you look at, yes, you beat the Jacksonville Jaguars on your own field. They're not a good team. But the Bengals have been battled in games uh, this season. You look at, they played some close contests even when they haven't been able to break through and win those games. So I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to jump on the Bengals here, John, plus the, the 13 and a half points and say the games in Baltimore may be a little bit of a letdown spot here for the Ravens because the Bengals are not one of the top teams in the AFC North this year. But I think they find a way to cover that big number so you look at Lamar Jackson, yes, he, he's a very good quarterback, except when he played the Kansas City Chiefs this year. He, they made him look human, but the Chiefs have uh, done that to quite a few teams here in recent years with, with Patrick Mahomes putting up so many points in, in these games where teams just can't keep up with him. So I'm going to go ahead here and say the Bengals, uh, they, they cover this number. Uh, I'll stay away from the total. I like the way John's thinking, but I'm going to go side here and, and say the Bengals are in a little bit of a roll, at least with the spread. Give me the 13.5 points on the road for the Bengals in Baltimore. Again, this is State Lines with John Spataro. My name is Jason Gotch. We come back, we'll look at more games. Plus, we'll talk about the race for the NFL MVP award a quarter of the season into the 2019 campaign. All that right after this. Welcome back. Great to have you aboard for another episode of State Lines, where you get the best pro football gambling information here in the state of Illinois. Along with John Spataro, my name is Jason Gotch. And John, we're going to get to our best bets a little bit later on in the program. Of course, the Bears were the Thursday night game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this week. So for the purposes of this program, we're focusing on the Sunday and Monday slate in the National Football League. So we're flying around the league looking at some of the games outside of our best bets. And here's a good one. We're not going to take either one of us a best bet in this game. So it's worthy to talk about in this segment. This might be the game of the week in the NFL for some people because Raiders have a pretty big national following, even though they haven't been very good in recent years. But the Kansas City Chiefs are the defending Super Bowl champions. They've been great through the first four games of the season. Raiders play at the Chiefs on Sunday, the game at Arrowhead Stadium, and the Spread right now, 11.5. The Chiefs are an 11.5-point favorite in this contest. 
and you go ahead and you take a look at that. What are your thoughts heading into this good game in Arrowhead on Sunday? Once again, that's a lot of points. 11.5 points is really tough to lay down if you're trying to make some money betting on the Chiefs this week. It's really going to be tough. Despite the history that's on your side, the Chiefs are 12-1 and against the spread in their last 13 games, so they're getting it done no matter what the number is up on the board. And to me, this comes down to really how good are the Raiders because in four games, we've seen them look really good, and then they may have just run into two pretty tough opponents, and the perceptions of this team have changed accordingly. They opened up the year with a, a gritty 34-30 win on the road against Carolina. Then they welcomed and opened up their brand new stadium against the New Orleans Saints, and they beat them on Monday Night Football, which was actually a surprise to many people. They thought that they could not hang with the Saints, and despite the Saints looking a little less of a formidable opponent at that point, have actually turned their season around and I think are looking closer to what people expected them to look like this year. And then they got in the AFC East, and they've lost their last two games. They lost to the Patriots uh, by a few scores in New England, and then lost to Buffalo last week uh, by a touchdown uh, in in Buffalo as well. So both of these games, you know, you, you try to figure out what is actually the, the Las Vegas Raiders that, that I should be paying attention to, the first two games or the last two games. I'm going to guess that they're closer to the last two games than the first two games. I had a lot of nice things to say about the Raiders in the past few weeks. I thought I was impressed by the way that they handled that Monday night football game against the Saints, but they've really let two games get out of their hands uh, especially this game in Buffalo. It was closer uh, than I think the score would suggest. They just got beat by Josh Allen down the stretch. And, and Jason, I know you're a big Josh Allen fan as well, so it might not have been a surprise to you. But when you're facing the, the, the Chiefs, who despite having a, a little bit of a schedule rearrangement this week, they played on Monday when they were supposed to play on Sunday, I think they, they handled it very well. And they went up against those very same Patriots, obviously not without their, their quarterback, Cam Newton, but they went through two quarterbacks in that game because the defense stood up and, and gave Patrick Mahomes enough leeway to do his thing and ultimately get another win. So if I'm looking at this game as a whole, 11 and a half points seems like a lot. But the Chiefs are going to get it done. I, I feel pretty confident about that. They're going to find a way to, to win this game by uh, possibly two touchdowns or maybe a combination a combination of some field goals and and a, a touchdown towards the end of the game. But it's it's just too many points for me to forgive what I've seen these last two weeks from the Raiders. I'm going with the Chiefs. All right, John on the Chiefs for week number five at home against the Raiders. I'm actually going to be on the opposite side of John on this one. I am going to take the big number there with the Raiders. And one of the reasons why I think the Chiefs might be in a little bit of a look ahead here against the Buffalo Bills in week number six. They might be looking ahead to that contest a little bit. It's an early start next weekend, that game. Of course, in Buffalo. So that that's a big one early in the AFC card this season, the way the Buffalo Bills have played. It's a rivalry game. The game is in Kansas City here for the Raiders. And again, this is one I, I favor most of the time playing underdogs. I always like to take a look at the dogs because I think sometimes they get a little bit overlooked, especially in a situation with a public favorite like Kansas City. And, and let's face it, very easily everything John said could be true. The Chiefs 
they've been great against the spread. They are right now the best team again in the National Football League, at least in my opinion, through the first four games of the season coming off the Super Bowl win last year. I think they have the best quarterback in the NFL right now. But there are lulls in that NFL season where you get by and you win a game, maybe a game you expected to win by a lot more, you don't. And I think that's going to be one of these contests. And the way Derek Carr threw down the gauntlet after the loss to Buffalo, I think the Raiders come to play here. I don't necessarily think they win the game, but I think they keep it within single digits. So I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to take the Raiders plus the 11 and a half. Now, John, before we get to our final segment of the program, I do want to go ahead and get to a fun topic that we've been hitting on and off throughout state lines here this season. The regular season NFL MVP award, because we're four weeks into the campaign, quarter of a mile pole for most of these teams. And right now the favorite is Russell Wilson. He's plus 125. Patrick Mahomes is plus 300. Aaron Rodgers, who we both liked at plus 2,000 to start the season, is having a great year right now. He is plus 350 for the unbeaten Packers. And Josh Allen... A lot of people thought that the Buffalo Bills needed to get a quarterback long-term. He's played great through the first four games. He's plus 1,200, and Lamar Jackson is the reigning MVP. He's plus 1,500 right now. So you got Wilson, Mahomes, Rodgers, and Josh Allen all ahead of the reigning MVP, Lamar Jackson. Any thoughts, John, for the listeners on the MVP race from a gambling perspective? Well, you mentioned we were all over Aaron Rodgers when he was as much of a long shot as a plus 2,000 odds uh, to win the MVP. And that's really where you got to get the value. You got to be looking at these earlier in the year, and you can't wait for a few weeks to pass and some buzz to build, or else you're just going to cost yourself money. So if there is somebody on this list that's a little bit further down, I mean, obviously Wilson is playing at an incredible level. Mahomes, you've heard me talk so much about the Chiefs and how much I think they are just in a separate group from the rest of the NFL. I I think Mahomes may even be getting close to just boredom territory where he wouldn't win an MVP because it would just be so boring to award it to him every year. So sometimes the players have that going against themselves as well. Rogers, obviously right there. I like Josh Allen at the plus 1200 right now because he's putting together a season that if the bills did have some real sustained success, ousted the the Patriots as the uh, representatives out of the AFC East and made a a one or two playoff game run or maybe even all the way to the Super Bowl. Josh Allen, I think, would get all of that credit. And I think that's where you got to look at some of these bets is who is in a position to convince voters, to convince the process uh, of selecting the MVP that they are deserving. Anyone else on this list, I I don't really see that happening. Lamar Jackson, it's it's unlikely that he's playing at a level that he would get back-to-back nods. Dak Prescott may be putting up every single yard uh, per game for his team and, you know, eclipsing 500 passing yards every single game. But I don't think that that team is good enough to warrant an MVP award. Tom Brady was uh, someone I was looking at earlier in the year, but it doesn't seem like he's, uh, you know, really going to elevate past uh, maybe a Russell Wilson or or an Aaron Rodgers just yet, although he did have a very good game on Sunday. And Cam Newton, someone else who I thought had an opportunity to run away uh, with a a really good Patriots team and and maybe separate themselves in this race, is not playing this week and may not play next week as well. So he's probably uh, falling out of contention every every week uh, that he does not play. So on this list that we we just went through here, Jason, Josh Allen would be my best pick. But I I do, do 
do like that you mentioned because you and I both were interested in looking at uh, Aaron Rodgers at the beginning of the year just because of that value, and he's starting to pay off a little bit if you have that ticket in your hand and it's still a long season. But you want to get these guys on good odds. Otherwise, if you're waiting week to week, you're likely going to cost yourself some money as those odds go down. Yeah, well said, John. I'm with you as far as Aaron Rodgers. Look, we talked about that earlier in the season, and if you got it back then, it was a good play. Right now, I think Mahomes and Rodgers are very good plays for the MVP award, but the odds aren't very good. I mean, you got Mahomes at plus 300, and now Aaron Rodgers at plus 350. Josh Allen, plus 1,200. Hey, if the Bills keep winning games, that would be a great story. I like the way you're thinking with that one. I'm with you on Lamar Jackson. I don't see that happening. Uh, he that, that game against the Kansas City Chiefs, or he was just terrible in that contest that ultimately I think would cost him in the MVP race, especially against a guy like Patrick Mahomes, who who led his team to a convincing victory over the Ravens in Baltimore early in the year. If you want to look at a real long shot, again, it's a long shot. It likely would not happen. But Baker Mayfield is plus 15000 right now. If you lay 100 bucks down, you're going to get $15,000 in return on Baker Mayfield. The Browns are 3-1. and one. They have the hard part of their schedule still ahead. Mayfield, though, this season, seven touchdowns, two interceptions. Uh, his last three games, his quarterback rating has been 100 or better. So if the Browns have a surprisingly good season, again, 3-1, and one, let's say they go 11-5, 12-4. I don't think it happens, but if you're looking for a long shot play, some value, if that were to happen, you know the Browns are going to be a huge national story. They've been so bad for so long. And if that happens, Baker Mayfield's going to have to play well throughout the course of the season. It's not one I would bet the mortgage on. It's not one I'd probably even put $100 down. But you know, if you want to put 20 bucks down on that one, you'd get 3000 back if Baker Mayfield won the MVP. So if you're looking for a real long shot play, take a look at Brown's quarterback, Baker Mayfield. We come back is four state lines with me, Jason, my host, John Pitaro. We're going to give you our best bets against the spread and lots more for week number five right after this time. Great to have you aboard for State Lines, where you get the best pro football gambling information in the state of Illinois. My name's Jason Gotch, joined as always by John Spitaro on the program. And this is the time in the show you've all been waiting for, our best bets against the spread. We each give you three plays every week as our best bets against the spread. And we tell you the following week when we win and when we lose. And earlier in the show, I told you I had a rough week, 0-3, with my best bets last week, I did split out on the Bears, had the under of 44.5 in the loss to the Colts, where the Bears lost that game 19-11 at Soldier Field, but had the Bears plus three. Those weren't in my best bets, so it was 1-4 overall, including the Bears game, picking the side and the total, but 0-3 with the best bets. The previous week, I was 3-0 and 5-0, including the Bears game and the, the, the side and the total. So uh, go from feast to famine on the Jason Gotch ledger from week three to week four. John Spataro had a very good week number four, giving you some winners across the board. John, I'm going to turn this over to you, and hopefully you'll keep it rolling with uh, some wins for the listeners, and I'll get back on track here in the odd number week. I sure hope so. I, I think that sounds good to me. So let's get started with the game in the AFC South, which 
is shaping up to be a little bit of what Jason would call a bad football game or some would call a toilet bowl or some would call just two teams that really need a win and one team is coming off firing their coach in Bill O'Brien. I'm talking about the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Houston Texans. Now in this game, I will unveil some of my majesty and magic, if you will, as to how I come to some of my picks. And I'm looking at this one and I'm looking at the history between these two division teams. There's usually a lot of stats between division matchups because they play twice every year. You don't get that when you have teams coming across the country to play from separate divisions or separate conferences. These two teams have played a lot and we've got some decent data on what's going to happen in the game. So here's what I'm looking at. The past three games between these two teams, the Texans have dominated. They are 3-0 and and they have beaten the Jaguars every single time. They also have gone under each of those three games between these two teams. So I'm going to decide to buck the trend because I can no longer rely on the Bill O'Brien Texans. I have to think now that this is a new team. They have a new coach. Deshaun Watson essentially got his coach fired, so maybe he will be unleashed now that there a change has been made in Houston. So what I'm going to do in this game is I'm going to take the Jaguars. The Jaguars are getting six points. They are currently two and two against the spread this year, so no real shift in terms of how they perform when they're getting big points or small points as underdogs. But I think this is a time for the Jaguars to at least cover. I don't know if they're going to win and I feel like there's going to be some attention paid to the Jags this week because people are going to be looking for a new regime, a new letdown against uh, the Texans. So I'm going to ride the the Jags this week. Give me the six points. I took a six-point underdog from uh, Florida last week in the Dolphins and it did not work out against the Seahawks. So I'm hoping to break that trend. Give me the Jags plus the six points. Another game that I'm looking at this week, and I keep kind of coming back to the New York Giants for some reason. I'm not exactly sure why, but I seem to be involved in a couple of their games so far this year. They are playing the Dallas Cowboys, who are 0-4 against the spread this year. America's team, they are not short of media coverage. They are not short of opinions. Everyone seems to be talking about the Cowboys and whether or not they're an actually good team. They are no longer in first place. That belongs to the 1-2-0. And one uh, Philadelphia Eagles like we've talked about but I think they get it done this week believe it or not I think the Cowboys are going to cover the spread against the Giants they are nine and a half point favorites which is a scary number we talk about big numbers all the time on this program and I think that the Cowboys will get it done this week the Giants just don't really have it for me they had a pretty good game against the uh, the Rams last week in a game that they lost but covered. They were getting two touchdowns and they ended up only losing by eight points. So although that may skew your opinion on this game, I just don't think that they have enough firepower to keep up with the Cowboys offense. The Cowboys defense has actually been the problem in most of their games so far this year. It's not been the ability to score points. It's been the ability to give away games. So give me the Cowboys as favorites this, this week. I know that may shock some people, but I think they finally get their first win against the spread this week against the Giants. And then finally, I'm going back to a team that I won on last week, and they just, like I said in the previous segment, seem to be playing back to the level that we thought they were. I'm going to the New Orleans Saints. Again, another favorite. Again, another big point favorite. They are seven and a half point uh, favorites in this week's game, and I think they're going to get it done against the Chargers. The Saints, two and two against the spread this year. The Chargers, two, one and one with a one and three straight up record. Look, I think Drew Brees is back to the Drew Brees that we 
thought he was. And I think that Alvin Kamara, who we did not talk about in the MVP race, is turning into a somewhat legitimate MVP candidate. I mean, the man's just putting up so many yards, so many points, and he's just really kind of taking over that offense and, and not having to have Drew Brees perform at his absolute top level for them to get wins. The Chargers have been a weird team so far this year. If you remember, I was on them when they were playing the Chiefs at home, and, and I, I got that one right on an underpick just because they can slow teams down a little bit and kind of get them off their their usual pace. But I don't think they're going to be able to do it against the Saints. I think the Saints are going to cruise. History is on my side in this one. The New Orleans Saints are 13-6 and six in their last 19 games against the spread. So I like that number. I like the just around a touchdown favorite for the Saints. I think that they'll be able to get that done, especially in the Superdome. So give me the Saints this week. And to round out my picks, I've got the Jacksonville Jaguars as underdogs against the Texans. That's near uh, a six-point uh, underdog for the Jags. I've got the Cowboys getting their first win against the spread this year. They are close to nine to ten point favorites depending on where you look. And also another big favorite this week, the New Orleans Saints. I think they will find a way to cover against the LA Chargers. I was two and one last week. Let's make it three and oh this week. I'm feeling pretty good about these three. Jason, over to you. All right, John, you have your three plays locked in, and I've got my three ready to go, so let's hit it right now. I like the Indianapolis Colts laying two and a half in Cleveland over the Browns. This is not a good spot for the Cleveland Browns. They played good football so far this season. They're three and one, but they had that impressive win in Dallas where they scored a ton of points and a victory over the Cowboys in Big D. And they've got the Steelers on deck, a huge rivalry game, Pittsburgh unbeaten heading into this weekend's contests. So I'm going to go ahead and say that the Colts, with that very good defense, we saw that against the Bears. I understand Nick Foles did not play well, and the Bears' offensive line didn't play well uh, last week against the Colts at Soldier Field. But a lot of that had to do with the Colts' defense. That's a pretty darn impressive, underrated group. And I think they're going to be able to have the same kind of magic defensively against Baker Mayfield and the Cleveland Browns this week. And Phillip Rivers and the offense didn't do much against the Bears, and they haven't had to do all that much this season because the Colts off defense has been so good, but I, I'm still a guy who believes in Phillip Rivers. He's as tough as you're going to find in the NFL. I know he's right there, right around that 40-year-old mark, so he's got very limited lifespan left in the National Football League, but he doesn't look like father time has hit him all too bad considering he's taken a beating throughout his career. I mean, remember a lot of games when he was with the then San Diego Chargers where he'd be playing you know, in the playoffs on a torn ACL and things like that. and he. But in this particular contest, I think the Colts are the better team. They're playing at an opponent that I think is in a look-ahead spot against the, the Steelers next week. And maybe we'll be a, a little bit complacent after the 3-1 and one start and the impressive win in Dallas last week. So, again, I got the Colts minus 2.5. I'm opposite, John, on the Texans. I'm going to take them over the Jaguars, laying the six and a half points. Part of me says the Jaguars are just not a very good football team, which they're not. And the other part of me says Bill O'Brien, his firing, long overdue. It should have happened after last season when they, they blew that huge lead in the playoffs in Kansas City and lost in the divisional round of the eventual Super Bowl champion Chiefs. They were up and down the Texans in Bill O'Brien's tenure. They tended to make the playoffs out of a very bad AFC South in most seasons and then get torched in the postseason. They never made it to the AFC Championship game in O'Brien's tenure. So it was time for him to go, but it's interesting that they kept him in the offseason. They let him be the general manager as well. He had the coach and GM role for the Texans. 
He, you know, he traded away DeAndre Hopkins in the offseason. That was a controversial move. And here we are four games into the season and we have an NFL coach firing. That's somewhat rare in recent years. Coaches don't get fired uh, like they used to early in the season. But in this case, the coach and GM Bill O'Brien out. Romeo Cornell, a very familiar name to NFL fans, previously coached the Browns and Chiefs as a head coach in his career. He's the interim guy now down in Houston. Longtime defensive coordinator for a bunch of franchises in the NFL. I think there's a boost on their own field here for the Houston Texans. I think they find a way in this one to, to cover that number. Again, they haven't been good this season, but I think they take out the Jaguars minus six and a half in this contest. I give me the team that is not a good team, but they're playing another bad team and they're at home. So I'll take the Texans minus the six and a half. And I'm going to wrap it up and say, you know, John talked extensively about this game as well. I like the Cowboys too, minus the nine and a half over the Giants. I, I look at this one and I say, Dallas can score and the Giants cannot score. The game is in Dallas. The Cowboys have had several frustrating losses this season, but a lot of that has been on their defense. Dak Prescott's found a way to put points on the board. I'm not sure he's a franchise quarterback. He reminds me a lot of Kirk Cousins, makes a lot of throws that are really good. Some of them will scratch your head and you'll say, wow, that one cost you the game. But I can't really fault Dak Prescott this year. I'm going to fault the Dallas defense and say, that defense is not fixed right now, but instead they're playing a bad football team on their own field, and the Giants' biggest problem is they just can't score points. Daniel Jones has not looked good this season for them for the most part, and Saquon Barkley done for the year with the torn ACL suffered in Week 2 against the Bears. So I'm on the Cowboys here. I think they take out some frustrations this week. I think this is going to be a relatively easy win for them. This one, re- you know, it looks to me like 31-10, uh, 34-13, 27-7. That, that's got that score, those type of scores written all over it for me. So I'm with the Cowboys minus the nine and a half. So those are my three best plays of the week. John already checked in with his. And that'll do it for another edition of State Lines. For John Spataro, my name is Jason Gotch. Enjoy those winners, everybody. We'll talk to you next week where you get the best pro football information in the state of Illinois from a gambler's perspective here on our program. This show is for entertainment purposes only. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER.